Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. The Last Kids on Earth and their superhero alter egos are back in the latest installment of the graphic novel spinoff series, The Last Comics on Earth, Too Many Villains. Jack, June, Quint, and Dirk face their biggest challenge yet, creating the sequel to their hit graphic novel in a mad dash, puzzle-filled race across Apocalyptia to stop the biggest evil plan in history. Hey, you know what the creators of Last Comics on Earth's evil plan is? Make me and my kids love these books. Seriously, my younger kid is a huge fan of both the Last Kid series and the Last Comic series. It's true. And now I'm hooked too. The whole team has created a delightful cast of characters with some fantastic kid-friendly art throughout that will appeal to readers of all ages. Buy your copy of The Last Comics on Earth in stores today. You can also visit lastkidsonearth.com to learn more. What is up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I am Pete. And on The Stack, we talk about a bunch of comics that have come out this very day. We review them. We offer up opinions, hot takes. Hot takes, if you will. Hot takes and hot pancakes. I don't know if it's hot takes, but we talk about how we feel. Oh, they're hot. They are hot, Pete. They are hot, hot takes. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Don't die. (laughs) It's too much smoke in here from all the heat. Too much spicy stuff for my hot takes. I need to heat it up. Well, anyway, before we get into the reviews, we are once again going to read a couple of comments from you guys. This is stuff that you have left for us on iTunes. We're going to read it out here. If you'd like us to read your comments on the show, and we would love to do that, leave us a comment and a writing on iTunes, and we'll read it right here on the show. This first one's from Aaron Blur. So good, I listened twice. I depend on this podcast almost exclusively to find out what new comics I should be checking out. I don't read too much superhero stuff, some dabbling here and there, but I still love to hear what's going on in these books. It's like a little bit of fun gossip. Who doesn't love that? Fun gossip. Yeah. Hot gossip. Hot takes and hot gossip. Too hot in my throat, I'm going to start coughing again. They cover a great variety of stuff, and I am super appreciative of that. This is the most fun way to get a rundown on some of the best comics coming out each week. Thank you so much, Aaron Blair. That is very nice. Yeah, thanks, Aaron. Uh, Here's another one that I'm sorry, I just can't pronounce. It's like Jiff Kessel here, Baduga says, great podcast. This is a great podcast reviewing new and upcoming comic books. The hosts are funny and smart and review a variety of books. Their varied interests and personalities give the listener multiple perspectives on new books, which has helped me out when trying to decide which books I should pick up. I listen every week and recommend everyone else do the same. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we definitely... Try to do as much variety. I know we've been doing uh, the House of X Powers of Ten stuff a lot. Yeah. Uh, we usually like to cover Batman or the big issues or whatever. Uh, but we're definitely uh, always trying to choose a new number one when it comes out in particular uh, because we feel like, you know, it's good to check out those books, give them a little bit of a sample or recommend them there. But Plus any weird sex stuff that you're into. You like to throw that in the stack. I love to throw that in the stack. And we're going to get to that at the end here, Pete. Ooh. We're going to get deep inside oh, of it. Oh, God. Deep. Oh, wow. You like that, Pete? No. 
I wish I didn't bring it up. Neither, dude. I I also didn't like it. Let's kick it off with a DC comic book. This is from their Black Label line, Harleen number one. This was a long book. It was like 60 pages. I'm so sorry. Are you okay? Yeah. Okay, that's yeah, good. Yeah. All right. This is from the Black Label line, which is their adults-only line, so kids... Stay away. This isn't for you. Or kids, yeah, get into it. It's no, fucked up. Pete, no, you can't do that. This is for adults only. They can't live sheltered lives. You gotta get them used to the horrors of the world early. The pages are made out of alcohol. Yeah. All right. So black label. That's a booze reference. <laughs> that's what it is. This is I never pronounce his name correctly, and I do apologize, but Stefan uh Sebchik, I think is what it is. Nice try. Thank you very much. Uh I love his art. He's so good. Uh he he has done a bunch of indie comics as well that are super fun. They're a little sexy, so Pete, don't you check them out, and kids, don't you check them out. Uh, but this is him delving back into the history of Harley Quinn before she was Harley Quinn, when she first met the Joker. It's his take on it. Pete, what did you think? Harleen. Um, I thought it was interesting. I uh, It was cool to... Because normally we're the perspective of either Batman or the Joker, so it was fun to kind of get the bystanders you know, kind of point of view of like what it's like to live in Gotham and then walk around a corner and see Batman fighting Joker, you know, um, and what that would be like. And would you kind of bum rush afterwards to see them got to go fisticuffs or would you run away for your life, you know? Well, even more than that, usually what we get with Harley Quinn in terms of her origin is a montage sequence where she's like... I was a doctor at Arkham Asylum. I met the Joker. He drove me crazy, and we fell in love, and then I started dressing in a costume the end. Right. So this is fleshing that out exponentially. Yeah. And I think he does a very good job creating the character of Harley Quinn, recreating her, uh, and delving into it. Yeah, and also... The Joker's very alluring here. I also like the fact that, like, dealing with these kind of mad people, if you will, these villains... It's hurting her sleep. It's really messing with her life, you know? Trying to get into the heads of the bad guys is really messing with her, and I'm glad that they're kind of dealing with that. It's not just like, oh, wow, um, I'm attracted to someone who has who's very powerful, or like, you know, I don't know, the dark side of me is very much, you know, attracted to this dude or whatever. I like how we're really kind of getting a little bit of more of who she is and the stuff leading up to their meeting. I agree with you completely. My only qualm with this book is I don't understand the black label thing. Like maybe it has to do with the paper quality. Maybe it has to do with the extra size of it. But other than some language here than there, it's not more violent than anything you'd see in a DC comic book. It's not more sexual than anything you'd see in a DC comic book. Yeah. There's no Bruce Wayne's wang in this issue or anything like that. Okay. That was Batman Deb, the first issue, the first printing. They had a bat dick and then they edited it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, So there's nothing like that. So I, I don't know why it's... I just... What's interesting is if this black label were kind of going to slow things down a little bit sure. and explore things more, I'm cool with that. It's fine. Again, the issue is very good. Highly recommend picking it up. I'm just not 100% sure what the black label line is yet, mm-hmm. and I'm curious to see if it defines itself in some way. But it's also to see somebody who seems like a reasonable human being like how they kind of go off the deep end and are going to fall in love with this person who is clearly a bad guy. Yeah. Uh, just like uh, I did with my wife. Whoa. 
Too much. Avengers number 24 from Marvel Comics. This is continuing the challenge of the Ghost Riders. This is, excuse me. Ooh, my throat again. Hot takes. Hot takes from the Ghost Rider riding down my throat. Danny Blaze? Danny Blaze? Yeah. Uh, Danny Blaze is... uh, He's the one in the car. Danny Blaze, Robbie Reyes? Rob, yes. Danny Blaze, Robbie Reyes. Hey, hey, hey. Reyes. Yeah, Reyes. Uh, They are having a race to see who will be the Ghost Rider, who will survive. Meanwhile, on Earth, Cosmic Ghost Rider is fighting the rest of the Avengers. You're a big Ghost Rider fan. What do you Uh, think about all of these Ghost Riders, Pete? I I love it. I'm sorry. Let me just... uh, Reyes is the guy in the car. Yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm very happy. At first, I was... Johnny Blaze. Johnny Blaze is the one on the bike. Johnny Blaze. Danny Ketch. Yeah, Catch? I don't know. I don't. You confused the crap out of me. <laughs> uh, I know this stuff, and then you said it. Now I'm questioning my knowledge. But anyway, it's like so. We can just call them Ghost One and Ghost Two. Yeah, Ghost One and Ghost Two. So Ghost One, the first Ghost Rider on the motorcycle. Uh, as a kid, I was very fascinated uh, by this. Um, so, and I very much liked the fact that they updated the character and did it with a way that uh, had a little heart and loved the backstory. Uh, and it's cool that we kind of get a race. It kind of reminds me of the old Superman Flash race, you know, where we want to see who's faster, who's, you know, better, that kind of thing. And uh, I like this book. I feel like uh, it's cool. It's kind of what you want. It's a little popcorn-y, but uh, loved it. There was somebody, I'm totally blanking, and maybe you remember, I feel like it was Danny Roth on our live show <clears throat> who was talking about this book and said that what's great about it uh, no, it was Daniel Kibblesmith, actually. Daniel Kibblesmith was talking about it on our live show, and I thought about it every issue hence, and it's made me like the book a lot better, where you can pull out these things, and it's almost like describing it to a kid, and that's what makes it fun, Yeah, where you can be like, yeah, there's two ghost riders, and they're having a race in hell. Great. Yeah. The One of the ghost riders' ghost uncle infests this celestial and tries to kill him. Awesome. Cosmic Ghost Rider takes off his skull and punches people with it. Yeah. It's just, it's fun. Like, yeah. it's just very enjoyable across the board. Um, it's a blast to read. Yeah, it really is. And, like, yeah, when you kind of break it down like that, it's it's a great, great way to look at it. It's just, like, over-the-top fun. Yes. Let's move to something that's much more serious from Image Comics, Black Science number 43. Oh, man. This is the last issue of Black Science. <sighs> A lot of stuff going down here. If you haven't picked up the series, obviously, very bad place to start. But (laughs) this is about... Great jumping on point. Great jumping on point. Definitely (laughs) pick up this issue. Uh, This is uh, bringing all of the multiversal adventures our heroes have gone on over the course of the series um, all together. It all comes down to this. What did you think about the wrap-up? How would you feel about the series as a whole, Pete? I was impressed uh, with it. It's... You know, of course, Rick Remender is going to break your heart eight different ways to Sunday, but he definitely, like, I thought it was going to be more heartbreaking than it was. You really? Know, like, uh, he, you know, still at the end, I, it, was, it was tough to see his wife be like, you know, okay, fine. You know, that was like... Uh, let's get into spoilers. I'll okay. just lay it out for you guys really quickly. So there's this guy, Grant McKay. He invents a thing, uh, the pillar that lets them travel through the different layers of the multiverse. He completely wrecked the multiverse. His arch enemy, Kadir, 
compressed, I guess you could say, the multiverse into one particular version. Grant McKay knew everything was wrong. He started to break it again. Uh, and at the end, he ends up killing his kids, getting totally sliced to ribbons, and then convinces his wife to travel to another uh, section of the multiverse where their kids are still alive. Yep. And continues it there again. Uh, also throughout the issue, we finally find out what's going on with these seeming flash forwards, flash sideways. It turns out this is actually from the beginning, potentially. Yeah. We get to see where everything started before it all went horribly wrong. Um, this ending, it wasn't totally satisfying, but... It made sense because and to it, end it in any way where Grant McKay isn't continually screwing up the multiverse wouldn't be true to the book. Right. And he wasn't going to, he never does things in wrapping it in a little bow, you know, like. Rick Render, you Yeah. Mean, not and, Grant McKay, the character. No. Okay. Uh, but also, you know, he wasn't going to have Grant McKay finally do something right either. So it really made sense for the character. It stayed true to what he kind of set up. Um, yeah, I think this, this is a, a great issue because it it's, gives you a lot. Uh, it ends in a way that maybe isn't the most satisfying, but the way that makes sense with the things that he's built up. And also the fact that, like, n- life isn't perfect. You know what I mean? Like, there are... What? Com- there are compromises. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, what are you talking about? <laughs> There's... I don't compromise on anything, Pete. Well, I live my life to the fullest. His wife has <laughs> to compromise. Sorry, I had something in my throat, but I chose to have something in my throat. His wife has to compromise so they can try to live a life with their fake kids. Sure. And part of her is going to be dead inside always because she knows these aren't her real kids. Yeah, but what if those kids are kind of cool, you know, like a little, a little bit cooler? Still... Still, a part it's going to eat at her that they, this isn't real. I don't know. That's what happened with my wife. Oh, my God. <laughs> Why right. does this keep coming back to that? <laughs> my wife. My wife. Uh, very funny, very current reference. Let's jump over to Boom Studios, Angel Number 5. This is kicking off their big Angel Buffy the Vampire Slayer crossover that's going to reintroduce the Hellmouth to the Buffy universe. Here, Angel is training a new guy. Named Gunn, who we know from the TV series. We get to see a glimpse of Fred, also from the TV series. What would you think about this one, Pete? I really liked this issue. I thought it was a great, did a great job of establishing a character, showing them where they're at, and then introducing Angel into their life in a very Angel way. I thought it was really cool, uh, flowed really nicely. The story just kind of really unfolded in a nice way. I thought the art did a great job of like pulling you into this world. I liked the characters. I liked the portrayal of them. It felt very true to the other kind of versions of them. I thought this was a really solid issue. I agree. This take on Gunn in particular and repainting him as, I guess it's an urban spelunker or something like that, as a cover for him hunting vampires. Super smart. I like that a lot. The flashback of his origin story was intense. It keeps it consistent with the character we know, but gives him a modern sheen, and that's exactly what these books should be doing. Yeah. Uh, Plus, I'm excited about the Hellmouth crossover. I want to see what's going to happen. So, mission accomplished, comic book. (laughs) Moving back to Marvel Comics, very exciting comic book of the week. We always like to say that in a very awkward way. The very exciting comic book of the week is New Mutants War Children... Number one, this is reuniting 
Chris Claremont and Bill Senkowich wow. on the title that they revamped, redefined for a generation. Uh, what do you think about this, Pete? Well, I think uh, it's nice to have Claremont back. It's like a nice sweater you kind of forgot about. You break <laughs> it out of your closet and you're like, oh, this is snuggly. Um, I, I think it's uh, it's great to kind of be able to pull people back into something that they helped kind of create. Um, yeah, I think this is an interesting story. Art's fantastic. I'm excited to see where this goes. I think they do a good this job. This is the only issue. It's a one shot. Uh. <laughs> it's like the power pack thing from the other week. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's all to celebrate Marvel Comics' 80th anniversary. Well, great. Celebrate it. <laughs> Done? Yep. Check mark in the air? Yep. Great. Celebrate. What'd you think? I loved it. I mean, yeah. this is my jam. This is my New Mutants. This is my team. You get to see Cypher being Cypher. What a week. What a week to be a Cypher fan. What oh. a year. What a lifetime to be a Cypher fan. Wow. Look this at you. Great. You're glowing. I am glowing. Uh, it is funny to read this story where it basically jammed in every possible thing that they could do. You get Dark Child, Ileana. You get the Transmode virus. You get to see Warlock going crazy and being worried about the Magus. Uh, you get to see Ron, Rain and Cypher bonding once again. Aww. So good. Uh, all the characters are so good. It was so much fun to watch. Uh, but really, it is all about the Bill Sankovich art. And to see him do an entire issue of New Mutants again, not just a cover, is incredible. Like, I love Chris Claremont. We've seen him write a bunch of books since then. Yeah. Uh, but the two of them together, it's just pure magic. I love this book so much. Again, oh, amazing look, book of the week. Oh, look as at we you. This, this is the power pack thing. They're, uh, they're my thing. you know. Oh. So I'm very happy about it. Let's jump over to DC Comics. Batman, Superman, number two. This is continuing the infection of the DC universe, courtesy of the Joker, not the Joker, the Batman who laughs. And this issue, Batman and Superman are dealing with the Shazam who laughs. How are you feeling about this title? I know you liked the first issue quite a bit, right? Yeah, I think this is great. They do a really good job of setting the stakes and pitting uh, the heroes kind of fighting against what they... It's really awesome. And, like, what I'm talking about is, here's Superman, you know, the the kind of Boy Scout, if you will, and all Shazam has to do is turn back into the kid, and Superman won't hit him because it's a little kid, you know, who's innocent. And then when he says Shazam, he's the evil Shazam. So it's like, I, I love the stakes of this. And I also loved although it kind of hurt to watch, was Batman Superman fighting. You know, like upset. Batman upset about the way things went down. Yeah. Just kiss, guys, you know? Oh, fuck get you. It, get it over with. Fuck you. Come on. But I thought this was a fantastic it's issue. It's Just Us League. Oh, boy. Uh, fantastic issue. Amazing artwork. Love the stakes. This is so much fun. In the beginning, when this whole Batman who laughs, Joker who smiles... Like that whole thing, I was like, this is lame, but they've done an amazing job of flushing these characters out in a way that makes them so important to what's going on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I enjoy this as well. I actually like this issue even better than the last issue, frankly. Wow. Um, I thought, yeah, I thought it was a lot of fun. The riff on Shazam was a lot of fun. Now that the initial concept is out of the way, they can really, really get into it. And that's great stuff. And it was crazy to hear Batman say he wasn't prepared for this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That is crazy. I think Batman is usually prepared for everything, right? Yeah. 
Jeez. All right. Next one we're going to talk about is out October 2nd from Dark Horse Comics. Don't spoil it. Ruby Falls, number one. Uh, I enjoyed this issue quite a bit. I like the art in particular, but yeah. uh, it's a, I don't know, what would you call it? Surrealist noir. Is that fair? Sure. Yeah. How'd you feel about the issue, Pete? What I like about it is it's kind of a comic within a comic where you have this uh, these main characters talking about the place that they are, talking about how important the color red is to the kind of town and stuff. But also the comic has tones of red in there, which I thought was such a cool thing. Um, yeah, it's a it's a it starts small and gets bigger. I really I think this is interesting. And I'm excited to see more. I would say overall, these burger books that are coming out from Dark Horse uh, from editor Karen Berger are getting better and better each time. Yeah. You know, obviously she is a veteran. We've had her on the live show. You can go back and listen to the episode. Yeah. Um, but the first couple, I felt like, okay, I don't quite get what this is. I know she, it sort of feels vertigo-ish. It's not exactly its own thing right. yet, but it really does feel like this line is getting its own identity, its own feel to it, mm -hmm. uh, and that really crisped in with this book for me, so I'm excited for people to check it out. Cool. Next one to talk about, Powers of X slash Powers of Ten, oh, number here five. Here, here, here we, we go. fucking go. Here we fucking go with a reasonable discussion about a comic book, oh, B. Let's sweet. get into it. You ready to explain shit to me or what? I am absolutely ready to explain shit to you. Now, okay. this is, I would say, if uh, can I speak for you, Pete? Sure. If you had to choose between House of X and Powers of Ten... I would say Powers of Ten unequivocally is your least favorite of the two, right? Right, right. Because it jumps through timelines. Yeah, three timelines. Three timelines. Very confusing. Yep. Uh, this one, less confusing, maybe? It was until the last timeline. The last timeline. Well, really we fucked. still don't know a lot about that timeline yet. Right, but also, like, this also felt like the least shocking issue. This was just them moving pieces on the chessboard. It was like, okay... In this issue, we get to see how Professor X gets the helmet head, how he turns <laughs> into Lollipop Man. Cool. Yeah. We knew that was happening. Now we get to see it. It was, happen. I would say, nice to see him say, I'm the Lollipop Man. Yep. Yeah, right yep. in the middle yep. there. And then, okay, we got to talk about how we're going to move all these drugs and make all these drugs. Okay, cool. We got to see that happen. You know, I appreciated the fact that this is the first issue we've been really dealing with a lot of different shapes, but we haven't gotten into Jonathan Hickman's sweet spot, which is circles, until this issue. Finally, we got a couple of sweet circles going on here. That was very nice. Yeah. And then we get the future, which I don't understand at all because it's like a robot talking about how it depends how dense robots are, and then everybody's going to die. It's you just got to think about like. Uh, soft robots and hard robots, right? Yeah. Sure, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And you get sense. it now. Yeah, oh, yeah, that makes <laughs> a lot of sense. But yeah, so uh, that last part was super confusing to me, and I don't understand any of it. Yes, so just to lay it out for you guys who are listening, in case you didn't read the book, definitely read it. But as Pete mentioned, we are definitely filling in the blanks this issue, but one of the things that I in particular enjoyed about this issue... Can I, yeah, can I well, try to guess? What is it? Forge. You love Forge. No, it wasn't Forge. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a good it guess. It was like, hey, 
we need someone to make a lollipop head. Forge, you're the guy. Well, absolutely. I mean, I Forge, did. So the it call. starts off with this conversation between Xavier and Forge, where Xavier and says, "Xavier looking mighty creepy, like a villain in this." You think throughout? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, when he's lollipop head, he's less evil. Well, I will say, so as usual with this issue, as you're reading through the issue and as you're reading the text pages that are interspersed in between, I love how Hickman always seems to drop an alarming piece of information just casually in the middle there. And here... Uh, we find out further uh, about the big revelation of the last issue, which is that uh, Professor X has been backing up all the X-Men. Yeah. And he's been doing it for years. Every week, he makes a copy of everybody's brain. We find out more of the logistics of this, that there's five different places where there's backups besides the helmet that he's wearing on his head. And once a year, he does a three-day backup of absolutely every mutant who exists, and he's completely prone for that. There's nothing nerdier than talking about backups and the proper way to back up things I mean, and making sure that it's backup through, of a backup of a backup. <laughs> Throughout the series, <laughs> Hickman has been very confidently showing his work. He's like pushing it across the desk and saying, yeah. you guys, I, I did it. I did my work here. I figured it out. Yeah. Those questions you have, here you go. There's the yeah. answer. Yeah. And I do appreciate that, that it's actually in the text that it's not like, you go to an X-Men panel, and he's like, oh, yeah, here's how the backups work, that it's all in there and answers the questions before you can actually ask them or very soon after you've asked them. So that's all great. But there's one other detail that's thrown in there where in the previous issue, they mentioned with the backups that nobody has tried taking a mutant brain and putting it in what they call a husk, very alarming name, uh, a husk that they does not belong to them. So like taking Cyclops's brain and putting it in Kitty Pride's body or something yeah. like oh, that. Oh, that's creepy, dude. Uh, they, all, he, they also say in, I believe, the same paragraph that you can revert backups, but it's very difficult. And they mention that Professor Xavier has done that twice and then move on. Oh. And that to me is like alarm bells, alarm bells, alarm bells. Why would Xavier revert his backup? Do you have any theories there, Pete? Because uh, he messed the fuck up a bunch of times. Yeah. I mean, I think that's probably what it is. I, it also might be wiping information from his own brain or something like that. Yeah. Or something bad that happened. Or he revealed too much to somebody and then reverted back. Yeah, I, I'm not sure, but that's definitely one detail that like, uh, but this needs to be expanded upon. I keep hoping... That the X-Men are going to, I'm going to read an issue and be like, X-Men aren't as bad as they look right now because everybody looks like a goddamn villain and it keeps getting creepier. The one sunshine that I had in this book was Namor. That shit was awesome. (laughs) Where Namor shuts Professor Xavier down. He's like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, of course. Very, so. Very Namor. Hickman has written Namor a lot with the Illuminati, so he's very familiar with him. Uh, He's also very familiar with Emma Frost. That was my favorite part of the issue. Because uh, one issue that I've had with this is because everybody is so cult-like, they sound very much the same across the board. They're all this cult of X right now. Emma Frost is not part of that, like very distinctly not part of that. And I appreciated them going to her, her negotiating with them and them understanding, no, we're not going to mind wipe and convince you of this cult in the same way. You're always going to be Emma Frost. But to your point, 
Professor Xavier, who now wears an all-black costume and a lollipop head, is walking around with Magneto, recruiting Emma Frost, and tells her, hey, you know who we need? Sebastian Shaw, which is pretty fucked up. Yeah. Uh, So you have that, and then add an Apocalypse and Mr. Sinister running things as well. It definitely still sets off a lot of those alarm bells across the board in terms of what's going on. You could make the argument, you could make the argument that, okay, these people are mutants and they've always been about mutant superiority and now everybody is on board with that. So that's why it works. But it's still distressing. Yeah, it's very creepy, (laughs) very upsetting, and it doesn't look like there's any end in sight. And I'm having a hard time with that. I get it. Uh, So the reason I think they're setting it up like that, and we've talked about this quite a bit on the podcast, is because of that flash forward where ultimately the villain is not Mr. Sinister. It's not Apocalypse. It's not mutants at all. It's the oncoming robot revolution that is taking over the entire known universe. And as we find out in the future timeline, which, granted, still lots of holes to be filled in, uh, black holes, if you will. Yeah. Uh, but the phalanx has taken over most of the universe around Earth. Earth has offered itself up to the phalanx. The phalanx, this issue, agrees. And one of the remaining humans talks to the remains of Nimrod and says, wait, so what's going on here exactly? And Nimrod says, oh, well, you see, the phalanx has decided, yes, it is going to accept you. You will live on as backups forever, Except also, it's going to eat you. Yeah. So, too bad about that. And if anything, what they're doing is they're setting up the mutants and the X-Men as the opposite of the phalanx, where the mutants, we're being told, are constantly giving the souls and the bodies back all the time, and and they want to expand, versus the phalanx, which wants to do nothing but consume. So that's the conflict we're being set up with. That is the destiny of the entire universe this that the X-Men insane. are fighting. It's huge. It's huge storytelling. Um, yeah. And we and still have one more red issue I to don't go. know who I'm rooting for. You're not rooting for the robots, man. I kind of am rooting for the robots. Really? Yeah. What do I want? Evil mutants to win? Yes. No. Yeah. I do think we are heading towards something in the current timeline where we're going to see like a World War X a year from now, because you got Namor doesn't agree with them. We already know that Wakanda and their related nations don't agree with them. Yeah. Dr. Doom doesn't agree with them. Hell yeah, Dr. Uh, Doom. I think we're going to see those nations fighting back against the X-Men in the next year or so once the titles are established. But still a couple of issues to go here. Uh, big, big stuff. Let's move on to a comicsology book, Quarter Killer, number one. This is from Vidya Ayala, who we've been enjoying quite a bit on titles like Livewire. What do you think about this book? Oh, man, I love the art. It's really cool. Plus, it has the art kind of old school feel. You kind of have this thing about quarters being really big currency, you know, so you can play video games with. Yeah, and you love quarters. Well, as a kid who grew up going to arcades, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do. All right? I'm old as fuck. I will say, I really enjoyed the art in this. I enjoyed the story overall, but so much was going on. It did feel like watching somebody play a video game where every once in a while, like, you look away to have a sip of soda, and you're like, wait, what level are you on now? What are you fighting? (laughs) What's going on here? I don't know, man. I disagree. I thought it was really easy to follow. I was really happy with the story and all the reveals. 
I think they really set up a unique, cool world here, and I'm excited for more. I am too. Uh, again, it was just, it was a lot for me. Maybe I read it late at night. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Hey, that we'll happens. see what happens. Yeah. Uh, but you can pick that up on Comixology Originals now. Here's another DC comic and another Shazam, Shazam number seven. Man, this title hardly ever comes out. But when it does, I like it hardcore. The art alone and the creativity of all these worlds that they're bouncing back and forth between. It's really fantastic. So if you have forgotten or haven't been reading the book, Shazam and the whole Marvel family, uh, I don't know if we call them that anymore, I guess the Shazam family, they are all trapped in these different magical lands, including uh, we find about the Wazunderlands, this issue, among others. Uh, Meanwhile, Billy Batson and Mary... I don't remember. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, Lady Captain Byrule. <laughs> Lady <laughs> Shazam. Uh, they are back a- in Earth. They have just told their parents about their powers. Yep. So there's a lot of stuff going on in a lot of different places, but Jeff Johns keeps the action going from place to place. Um, two big things we should probably talk about on this issue. One... Just a personal thing. I love Dale Eaglesham. I love Scott Collins. They're two of my favorite artists. It's very jarring to see their style side by side. Yeah. Because they're so different. Yeah. And I wish they would hold this title until Dale Eaglesham would finish the whole thing, personally. I know Scott Collins is faster. Yeah, but I just think that it's like so cool because you're bouncing around between different worlds to have the different styles for different... Yeah, but it doesn't feel consistent to that. It feels like Scott Collins did some of the pages and Dale Eaglesham did some of the pages. Okay. Not the different worlds are split up that way. Uh, I wish they had done it that way. Oh, all right. But again, I love both of them. Like, they're, I love their art. I mean, we need to talk about the reveal that tigers are just faking. You know what I mean? Like, they, they can talk and walk and stand around and have stuff. Have you ever been to the zoo? I have, but... You gotta hide around the corner and then you okay. kind of peek your head... And the tigers are just like, how are you doing? And they're like, hey, what's up? You're, what's going on with the lions? Yeah, I mean, I knew tiger, uh, you know, tigers were super jacked and stuff, but like to see them in this way, it's really. Oh, yeah, I love a, bit, a nice, muscle, muscly uh, tiger. <laughs> <laughs> last thing we got to talk about, we got to talk about the last page, Pete. We have to talk about the last page because Shazam is in a graveyard. He's right. looking around at graves, and the last grave he sees. Is Captain Marvel, Marvel. which, for those of you who know anything about the contracts and the negotiations and everything that's happened over the years, at a certain point, DC just kind of gave up on the Captain Marvel name, which was originally Shazam's name. I cannot believe they're bringing it back. It's such a nerdy inside baseball thing. I don't know how they're going to do it or make it work. I don't know. if I just think they were just kind of doing a nod to the the text at the end is Captain Marvel returns. Wow. So there you go. Oh, wow. Going back. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But that is a fun teaser. Very excited to read the next issue in six to eight months I mean, or so. I feel like, yeah. I feel like, though, that's just going to be so much more work just to try to make that happen when it's just. I, it's classic Jeff Johns, though. All he right. always figures out a way to make, delve deep into continuity, make it work. That's one of the things I think he is best at. As a writer, he is great. Yeah, so I'm excited to see what happened. Uh, Strike Force number one from Marvel Comics. This is a bonkers title from Teeny Howard. This is a bunch of seemingly random characters grabbed out of a grab bag, are stuck together to face a new shape shifting villain. 
You got Blade. You got Winter Soldier. You got uh, what? What is she called now? Not Photon. I, I don't know. The old Captain Marvel. Yeah. Uh, now called maybe Photon. Not one hundred percent sure. Spider Woman. Uh, you get uh, Angela as well. What do you think about this book? This is a fun group, and I'm a sucker. Anytime Blade's in the mix, I'm all about it. So, yeah, uh, I think this is an interesting comic. I'm excited. I think that, like, I don't know. I think it is a grab bag, but I was excited with the way they're working together. I, I am, too. I don't know... Not to think about it from a callous business perspective, I have no idea who this title is for, (laughs) but since we were reading it for the show, I'm glad I read it because it's much better than like, eh, we took all the sharp heroes and put them together, or we took all the spider heroes and put them together. This is a team that I never in a million years would have thought to put together. Uh, The note in the back promises that, okay, everybody is here for a reason. They're all going to tie in in some way. So I'm excited to see how it goes. And there's a big cliffhanger at the end, too. So uh, that should be fun. Yeah. Yeah, definitely going to follow this into issue number two. Here's another one from Dark Horse coming out October 2nd. Everything number two. Oh, man, this book is bonkers. We really like the first issue of this. It said in an opening at a mall called Everything, a store that has everything. It's like reading a fever dream. This one even more so. What would you think, Pete? Yeah, this kind of reminds me of Ice Cream Man where it's like creepy in ways you don't understand yet. Um And especially the lady in the house who, like, uh, something made her sad and something else is making her go to work. Um, You know, that's like, there's just so much. We we get to see a lot of different slices of life here in this book. And especially with, like, okay, there's this mall with everything, but then there's this creepy, like, teddy bear that's not really a teddy bear and, like... You know, it really affects people. And then the creepy parade to honor the person who's dead that almost kills somebody. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's all over the place, but in a way that kind of makes sense. It, but, it feels like watching one of those brainwashing films from A Clockwork Orange. Oh, man, don't it. bring up that movie. No, oh. but, it, like, that's that's what it about it. It just, it barrages you with these images and these feelings throughout that when I got to the teaser for the next issue, they were like, this thing happens to this character, and this thing happens to another character. And I was like, I don't know what that is, but bring it on. Oh, <laughs> Let's man. do more of this. Uh, it's great. Uh, just the images are great. I, yeah, the art is just really fantastic in such a creepy way. And the faces and the kind of the way people are disjointed and stuff like that. It's just amazing storytelling. All right. Let's get to the long-awaited sex block. Oh, Jesus Here we Christ. go, Pete. Your favorite section of the show. First up from Image Comics. This is a highly anticipated. You double sexed us. I, I double sexted you. Yeah. Yes. SFSX, a.k.a. Safe Sex, number one. I have to read these comics in public, you know? like Why? You, you don't these? have to read them in public. Yes, I do. No, you don't. Well, I said them to you, spoiler for you guys at home, I said them to you far in advance. Yeah, you don't well, have to read them in public. Well, I read you them at work. You live in an apartment. Do other people wander into your apartment at random times? No, I just read them at work. And well, it's that's super, your fault then. It's super <laughs> creepy and I get like really... Fucking weirded out by it. Do you masturbate while you're reading them? Of course. 
<laughs> That's the problem. Oh, That's no, why it's embarrassing. No, Pete. I would not do that because this this book is really fucked up. Yes, it is very fucked up. Uh, this reminded me a lot of Bitch Planet. Like it feels like a natural successor to that, where it takes place in a futuristic society where the main character is uh, working at a sex club. A theocracy starts clamping down on them hardcore, and they eventually run for their lives. She and her boyfriend, eventually her husband, run for their lives. Things get locked down after that, and they get crazy after that. It's very graphic. Uh, if Again, kids, don't, don't... There isn't kids listening to this. To our podcast? Yeah. There are some kids. Yeah? Yes. Oh, sorry, kids. No, it's fine. This actually gets broadcast live to a bunch of kindergarten class. Oh, sweet. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that, everybody. Hey, don't color within the lines. Color however the fuck you want to. Yeah. All right? Don't listen to your teacher. By the way, I wanted to mention your painting show on PBS, Pete. It's yeah. terrible. Thanks, man. <laughs> no problem. Uh, I really like this book a lot. Of course I, you did. I, I, I like the art a lot. I thought the art was very good. Uh, and it does have some stuff to say. It's not... As strong as Bitch Planet, necessarily. It's not as harsh as that. Uh, but it's still, it's fun to read. Is it fun? Yeah, it is fun. All right, cool. You got to stop being such a prude, man. Oh, thanks, man. I really appreciate that. Get loose. Yeah, I, you know, I'm all about getting you gotta, loose. You got to drink one of those Black Label books. <laughs> Chill out a little bit. Yeah, I'm all about that. But it's just like, okay, yeah, I get it. Like, you know, like... What's appropriate, what isn't, what is, you know, like, but, yeah, you know. <laughs> you just can't. Well, it's just, okay, like, you're either having sex in a crazy orgy dungeon or you're trying to be, like, a member of society that has to report when you have sex, and it's like, God damn, there can't be a place that's, like, in between that or... Welcome like, to America <laughs> 2019, Pete. I guess so. I guess so. But, I mean, it's creative. <laughs> Fate praise from Pete LePage. Let's move on to our last book, which is Faithless number six. Here we go again. Here we go again from Boom Studios. Uh, this is another fucked up sex book, uh, but I like this one quite a bit. Oh if you haven't God. been reading it, it is... <laughs> Well, I'll tell you in particular what I really liked about you this You like issue. the creepy guy who's making them have sex and stuff? No. Oh. So this, we've been following along with uh, this girl called Faith, who uh, meets another girl, kind of falls in love with her, kind of crushes on her, sleeps with her, ends up sleeping with her father as well, gets sucked deep into this art underworld. There's all these weird, strange signs that have been going on throughout. We even talked about with the last issue that we felt like, okay, this is great, but I'm wondering where this is going. And what I liked about this issue, it's going to be taking a break and coming back with, I believe, volume two after this, is it really Kristen what they're talking about? That in order to join the art world, in order to find yourself as an artist, you have to essentially give up your soul is, I think, what's happening in this book. Uh, and at least that's what came through to me in this last issue. And I like that quite a bit. Like that illuminated a lot of what's been going on for the past five issues as well. Cool. What's up, Pete? Your problem was that somebody sucks a dick? No, I, I don't have any problem with somebody sucking a dick. I mean, you know, do what you love. But By I, the way, I just real quick, I want to apologize to Miss Smith's entire class. Uh, sorry about the suck a dick thing. Hey, I'm not sorry about that, Miss Miss Class. Listen, Miss Miss Class. Mrs. Class. <laughs> if you want to suck dick, you suck dick. All right, you follow your heart. Yeah, just uh, don't do it between the lines. 
Yeah, exactly. Of the dick. What? Um, so anyways, yeah, I just, I, I don't know how you're getting all that from this because it looks like a creepy guy is manipulating people to have sex and a bunch of people are fucking dying. So, well, that is what is happening, but ultimately he gives faith a choice and he says, look at this. You can force people to do this. You can make people do things with your voice. And then we cut ahead a couple of months to where she's doing an art exhibit. All of her old friends don't even know about it. She's dressed differently. She's traveling along with uh, the girl and her father doesn't even recognize them at all. She's given up everything that she is in order to become this artist that she thinks she wants to be. And that's what the book has been about. Cool. It's about art, man. Yeah, You just don't get it. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, man. It seems like an old creepy dude manipulating young women. That's what art's all about, man. I don't. I hope it's not. I, mean, I really it hope is. it's not. Welcome to America 2019, man. <laughs> oh, man. If you would like to support the show, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. Come on by, and we'll do some creepy stuff to you no, as well. No, don't. No. Pete, what do you want to plug? Oh no, man. What? Listen, don't let people, anybody do creepy things to you, all right? Yeah. That's what I want to plug. Okay. Also, our Facebook. Uh, you can check us out on Facebook. You can check us out on Twitter, at Comic Book Live. ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and more. You can subscribe and comment, as we mentioned, on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Android, or the app of your choice. And we'll see you next week at the Comic Book Shop. Woo-hoo. Yeah, Blow your mind.